few weeks ago, we opened the show with the idea that any positive result against Saracens is something worth celebrating. So on the face of it, a losing bonus point and a narrow 31-25 loss away at Allianz Park on Saturday should be something to celebrate. But is it that simple? My name is Lewis, welcome back inside the Shark Tank, and joining me to discuss that and other questions raised by the return of Premiership Rugby are Alex and James. Alex, how are you doing? I'm very good, mate. It's nice to have the three of us back together after what feels like about four years. Yeah, I mean, off air, uh, before we started the podcast today, uh, me and James were talking and we tried to work it out backwards. And I think it is close to six or seven weeks since we've all been together on the podcast. So it is with great pleasure that I announced that not only am I joined by Alex, but I'm also joined by James. James, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, mate. Come back to uh, life and stuff up a little bit. You know, disagree with you, hopefully, and uh, obviously back to Premiership action. So uh, plenty more to talk about more generally. Just out of interest, whilst you were on uh, on sabbatical, as it were, did you have a go at the quiz last week? Um, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't have a go at the quiz last week. I didn't sit there and do it properly, that's for certain. Uh, but it was, well, it was well put together. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you're still uh, still an active participant in the Shark Tank, even uh, even if you're not joining us on air. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's jump straight into straight into things. And I think immediately the question has to be, Alex, is this a point gained by sale or three points lost, given the result on Saturday away at Saracens? Um, I thought we could have won it, and I think we thought that before the game, as we said last week. You know looking at the squads we shouldn't have anything to fear um, and we didn't really you know Saracens are a decent team they can they can score tries but they didn't we didn't look as sort of lost against them as we usually do because I think you know sometimes you play them and you think there is no way we'll ever beat this team whereas when we played them um, this week I think we, we looked like we competed we looked like we stood a chance of winning and I think realistically two tries while they were down to um, 14 men for them is what cost us and just you know apart from that we played some really good rugby I thought Rob Dupree had a really good game both with the ball in hand and from the tee um, so yeah I think it's a positive one but I do think the three points were there sort of for the taking and I think sort of the, the biggest shame for me is that we played better than a losing bonus point really um, and maybe if we've got two points, you'd think, yeah, fair enough. And maybe if we've got a draw, you'd think, uh, you know. But um, I still think it's a point game. You know, a lot of teams are going to go away to Saris this season and get absolutely hammered and come away with nothing other than the tail between their legs. So I think we should be positive about it. But I do think, as we look at it, um, when we go into a bit of a deeper analysis, we'll see that it is probably a win. A win was there, and we've just let it slip. James, you were at Allianz Park on Saturday afternoon. Did your assessment of the game compare neatly with Alex's, or do you think there are some points of contention with with how Alex viewed the result from Saturday's game? No, I think he's probably right. You know, when we sat down at the end of the season, you go through. <laughs> we go. We went through every single game. Taking a point from Allianz Park, you know, was a, a step forward. We usually get absolutely battered there whether they're missing England players or not. So on the whole scheme of things, that's a point gained. Taking the game in isolation, obviously, there are frustrations. Um, the first one is that I, you know, it was a bit of a surprise to me looking at the team sheets beforehand that we couldn't get ascendancy in the scrum and actually were second best in that area. 
Um, you know, the Saracens had, I think it was their fourth choice um, tie head. It was a low knee from Cornish Pirates. They're onto their fourth choice hooker. They had their second choice loose head, even less depth on the bench in that area. But actually, the weakness in those areas led directly to two tries. Um, the first was uh, Mike Rhodes. Uh, OK, we, it was a defensive scrum. That's always difficult, but we were definitely going backwards. And that meant we couldn't get the people around the corner to defend the guard. And then the second try uh, by Lewington as well. That was that was um, uh, from, a, from a scrum where we were going backwards. So uh, that was disappointing. But, you know, having conceded those points when we were actually up a man, we'll come back to that because that's, I mean, that's virtually unheard of. That, you know, you go a man up and then get battered for the next 10 minutes, which is actually what happened. Um, you know, at that point, we actually came back with tried for half time. It was very important. We were in a winning position, weren't we? We were five points up, I think, was it? Five points up? 26-21. Yeah. So, at that point, you know, if it was the other way around, Saracens would have won. As it is, we got a losing bonus point. Saracens got five points from that game. That is the frustration, isn't it? That they did not deserve five points by any stretch. And I think that's the thing that Saracens do, that we struggle to do against good teams, is just be as clinical as they were. And they just took their chances and just, you know, there was an opportunity um, each time. I mean, that first try, you know, we looked okay, the game started fairly well, but then they, the pace they brought off the back of that scrum, it was just hit, 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 try. And I think we really lack that. We sort of get into the red zone and start to panic a bit quite often and sometimes we score but we don't quite have that killer instinct and you know that is a, a level above where we are and we all know that but that's how you get those bonus points isn't it that's how they just you know get three they got three tries within the space of about 10-15 minutes didn't they and then all they need to do is score one more try so you know I think you are right it's so frustrating that they got five points I think one of the, I think one of many frustrating aspects from Saturday's game for me is actually how well Sale played in the in the second half and having had such a negative spell in the first half to to rebound nicely with a try uh, with the clock dead at the end of the first half and then actually how Sale built their lead not only did they come back into the game they actually built the lead a little bit as we as we just mentioned and I thought we've just mentioned how. Saracens are renowned for killing games off and taking the points and being clinical. And I thought Sale actually did a very good job of doing that in the second half in that they had chances in Saracens' half, they won penalties and they kicked the penalties. And even though it looked as if Saracens were a better match for Sale physically and uh, in terms of pace and moving the ball around and in many other areas, which is disappointing, Sale were actually able to build a lead by very smartly building the score through the boot of uh, Robert Dupriot. And to be in that position, 26-21, with, with a few minutes left, away from home, is practically unheard of for Sale, especially doing it in a way that doesn't result, uh, isn't completely dependent on counter-attacking rugby. And so I was very, very pleased to see that, that Sale were in that position and, and potentially heading to a win. And then, unfortunately, as we've become far too accustomed to, Sale capitulate right at the death. And, and as you said, Alex, Saracens leave with five points, Sale leave with one even though the scoreline uh, is, is perhaps not as reflective as how, how tight a game it was, even even with the score only settled by, by six points at the end. But that's our sort of very succinct summary of, of the game. And as always, we ask you, our listeners, to chime in with your thoughts on the most recent Sharks game. And we had some very interesting responses. And it appears that 
the level of frustration that we've all exhibited so far in the podcast is shared by everybody else. Max Boyle, another one squandered. Alex Bax, Ali Baxter, squeaky bum time. Richard Higgs, losing bonus point, good result. Van Cannonball, Sarri's away hoodoo. Robin S, that backline with three uh, three emojis, including a thumbs up, uh, an OK sign and a shark. Andy Taylor, Dupree, worth LBP. And finally, GMAC, need type five. I think that was a really interesting one to end on, as as we've alluded to. Alex, do you think that's where Sale lost the game? We, we talked about this little purple pass that Saracens had in the first half, but do you think the fact that Sale were so comprehensively bested by what was a, a third or fourth choice Saracens pack was the real reason why Sale didn't leave the Allianz with, with more points than they perhaps they might have deserved? Um, I think it's a factor in sort of a bigger thing in that, yeah, we got... But, you know, if you if you take the fact that we were trying to turn anyone up with a few minutes to play, so you can't say that we got battered all game up front, because it, so you can't say that that is uh, sort of leading to the, the end result, because we got ourselves into a really good position. What I do think is the issue is that we our, our bench came on for a total of 41 minutes, 19 of which was Luke James. We brought Curtis Langley on for six minutes, Joe Jones on for six minutes. We didn't bring on Tom Briscoe, and we brought Ostrakov on for 10. We didn't bring on Neil. So, you know, where we lost the game, if yeah, we might have lost it in the forward pack, but we had a whole bench there of fresh legs that we chose not to use. So, to me, part of that is, I don't think you can say we really need a tight five. I just think we need... Well, you can't even say more depth because we've just bought in Tom Briscoe. So I don't see why we need more depth there. We had two hookers on the bench, so we could have easily brought in either of those. I I think, you know, yes, we probably got beat up front, but that wasn't the reason we lost the game. I think Sale very much let this game slip. And Saracens just had a bit more nous in their squad to, you know, close it out when it was tight and kick the points. And we started to look a little bit ineffectual towards the end of the game, I thought, when, you know, we really needed something special. I just didn't see a try coming. Um, And to be fair, I don't think we really looked massively like scoring a try for the whole game, other than obviously the McGuigan try itself. You know, we built our lead through kicking, which is absolutely fine, brilliant. And I think that was a real positive. But, you know, I would say that the the reason for the result lies more at sort of sales game management both on the field and off the field from the management rather than I don't think there's a type 5 issue I think there's a type 5 issue in the course of the season but I don't think it caused us to lose this game James do you concur with that assessment of of why Sale lost the game or do you want to talk a little bit more about that purple patch Saracens had in the first half where as you alluded to Saracens were down to 14 men and were able to put up 14 points um, I agree with Alex and it hasn't been a point that I've thought about but this does continue the early season strategy game management of the coaching staff not to use our bench which I think uh, is it a strategy has, it's been a big problem with, for us this year. Is that actually? Uh, is it actually a strategy, or is it a, a yeah. lack of strategy? Well, clearly, it's a strategy. We get to a point on close games, and he doesn't, he doesn't trust the people on his bench in a close match. Uh, but then, our, but we we've debated before about weighing up between being on people who are, you know, a, a bigger drop down in sort of level of quality versus 
you know, Rob Webber playing 70 minutes. I mean, do you know what I mean? The drop from Webber to Langdon or Webber to Neil, it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely around the 55-minute mark, isn't it? Yeah. 50, 55-minute mark. It is, and that will add value. That's not too bad. Tight, uh, loose head, sorry, that is more of an issue. Uh, but even so, I'd say 10 minutes is probably worth it. Asking the loose head. Anyway, I digress. Let's go back to the originality of the question. So, um, yes, that, the management during that purple patch was a real problem. Saracens have a way of tightening the game in these periods and actually opening their t- intensity. And we just weren't prepared for that. And uh, they did physically hammer us in that, in that period. Um, and that was without Will Skelton as well. Uh, so, you know, severe weight in the, in the pack. But even so, when you actually look at the individual tries, you know, as I said, the scrum led to what the first try by Rhodes. Second try uh, during that period, you've got, uh, sorry, during that period, you've got second try by Lewington. Leota, I think, I think it's Leota, it could have been McGuigan, I'm not sure, misses a tackle on Tompkins, who's then got the ability to basically flip the ball out of the back. Lewington scores in the corner and it's our, our left wingers out of position. But it was a missed tackle, a one-on-one tackle that created that, that try. Um, and then for Tompkins' try, by the way, I thought that Tompkins was the best player on the pitch. Um, he was absolutely fantastic for Saracens. No wonder they've signed him on a, on a three-year deal. Um, but that also came from us going too wide too quickly. Um, and if you know, I think without Van Rensburg and Jennings in the side... That we, we did do that a little bit, and it, and and sometimes the clerk can be part of that issue because he's one of these people who he picks up the ball, he runs a bit sideways, and then he fires out a big big pass. But if you've not but if you've not if you've not got beyond the gain line and you've not got retreating backs, yeah, it's a problem. The times where we did do it well, we got O'Connor on the ball, they were retreating off O'Connor. You know, we're talking about Saracens' rush defenses retreating off him, so it shows that it can work. We just need to get the ball over. But for that, for Tonkin's try, Leota uh, was at the ruck, basically. He was, he, he, he was the defender at the ruck and was latched on. He was rucked off the ball in a counter-ruck. So we, we, we actually got the ball turned over, and that led directly to the try. Although, having said that, Solomon's defensive positioning. If you ever need to put something up on a screen to say, this is not how to defend as a right winger, <laughs> across two phases, Solomon basically has absolutely nailed it. So he's He's got, he's got a, he's absolutely, I think Solomon is clearly a bit rusty and we know defence is not his, his best, but he was all over the show, defensively uh, across two phases and then Tompkins scored there. So we managed that period well, uh, not very well, but also there were individual errors, uh, the Ota and Solomon, uh, and then the poor scrum that led to those um, tries. Um, I still think we should have seen it out, being five points up with, with six minutes to go, but gave ourselves an uphill battle, but going to be difficult I don't I agree with Alex as well we didn't get hammered up front for the whole game the scrum as a set pitch we were second best not massively so but slightly um, it was relatively even I'd say for 70 minutes we were the slightly better side and for 10 minutes we were by far the worst side and uh, that's what that's what decided it I mean, I guess when you average those periods out, sale being slightly better for such a long period of time, but then dropping off in terms of intensity and performance for that for that ten minutes, it, it especially in a team like Saracens, it does cost you on the scoreboard. And I'm looking at the the table now, and before we get into the positive, because this is a positive, I specifically want to mention. 
Alex and James, this one's open to either of you. Is it time to be worried? Sale sits after seven games, 11th with 10 points from seven games. And with Bristol picking up a losing bonus point uh, at home to Exeter at the weekend, they've gone back above sale into 10th. Now, we're not far off the top six. At present, Bath sits sixth with 17 points. And Wasps sit fourth on 19 points. So we it, just to indicate just how tightly congested that middle part of the table is, it does really seem like it's all to play for, except for perhaps Exeter and Saracens, who occupy spots one and two, and look like they're both going to run away with the league somehow. However, it is concerning that in what was a fantastic opportunity for sale against the weakened Saracens t- uh, side, with a couple of exciting players uh, back in the fray, they weren't able to pick up a result, even though they probably deserved to get more out of the game. And as a result, a languishing now second bottom with a massive game at home to Northampton coming up. James or Alex, like I said, either one, is it time to be is it time to be worried the fact that Sale can't seem to close out or can't seem to pick up any momentum in the league at the moment? Having had a great win over Newcastle six weeks ago, some very strong results in the Challenge Cup and the Premiership Rugby Cup, and then to sort of capitulate slightly uh, upon the return to the Premiership. What what, what do we what do we think? question after Northampton uh, but overall I'm not that worried at the moment and the reason being is our performance uh, as a club has definitely improved if you, if you start at the Newcastle game and you go through Challenge Cup Premiership Cup and then get in the losing bonus at Saracens this period lift out pre-season you know and we saw this is the results that we get in this period we'd be really happy um, so you know, obviously we had a very poor start to the season and that was a bit worrying. Let's hope actually team performance is on the up and we just need some things to, to drop our way, starting at home to Saints. I'd agree with that. I don't think it's time to be worried at all because I think if we keep playing like we're playing and we keep improving at the rate we're improving, then we'll be absolutely fine. So I've got I've got no worries, even if, you know, I'd love a win against Northampton at home. I think we should win it. Um, if we don't win it, I'll be more concerned because we haven't been able to beat Northampton at home than I will about our league position. I think, you know, the the problem with the the, sort of the Premiership now is that um, it's so competitive that you can't really have that bank of relegation. So there's always going to be a worry, and I think that's just going to be have to be something you have to adjust to as a rugby fan because. You know, in previous seasons, there was always a team you could rely on to go down, and there's just not anymore with the rise of Bristol. So, um, I think I don't. I'm, I'm not worried. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean. Um, I- for, for the record, I, I'm, I'm not particularly worried either, and, and that's why I illustrated the gap between Wasps in 4th, Bath in 6th, and, and Sale in, in 11th. It is ridiculously close, and, and it is simply a case of winning three games, especially given how small the league is. A, a, a very short winning run could immediately propel you from languishing at the bottom of the table to being comfortably in a top four place if results go your way. So I'm not particularly worried, but I think it is something to... to to be considered and I'm glad we mentioned just how competitive the Premiership is this year and how well Worcester and Bristol are doing who I think it's fair to say could be presumed before the season as being the favourites for a relegation I think it is concerning that Sale aren't picking up points in games that they, that they perform well enough to, to pick up a win in but I think at the same time it, it, it does it, it does start with just picking up a, a couple of wins here or there and all of a sudden 
like I said, you're right in the mix for top six and maybe even top four still. And one of the other reasons why I'm not particularly worried is the performance uh, of a newcomer to Sales team. Uh, one, Robert Dupria, which I'm, I've been informed is the correct way of, uh, of pronouncing his surname, uh, who scored 20 points, six penalties and a conversion on his uh, on his Premiership debut last weekend. Alex, what we, we talked about Dupree last week and how we can't use that Leicester game in the Premiership Rugby Cup as an indicator of what he's going to bring to sale because of the nature of the competition and the conditions, etc. We've got a, bear, a bit of a better look at Dupree, Dupree in the Premiership uh, and against top-quality opposition. What did you make of his performance on Saturday? Do you think he's someone who's going to be able to provide a, a spark and a, and a catalyst for improvement in the same way that Rohan Yanzi van Rensburg did when he joined Sale uh, on a three-month loan last year? Yeah, I think so, because he just looks really solid. And, you know, he hasn't taken any time to bed in. He's just come in and looked, you know. There's no sort of... There's a little bit of rustiness on occasion with players, but you've got to bear in mind that this is really Kraft's first game back and Johnny Leotz is sort of only just coming back. So I think, you know, it's unfortunate that in those three positions, you sort of have three people who are almost new to the squad this season, in effect. Yeah. But I thought he looked. I looked really good. It's uh, it's nice to have someone who's a really solid kicker. Um, I think he's a little bit different to AJ in terms of you know he's he's got a bit more of a of a pass on him. You know he, AJ tends to sort of um, draw the line, play it quite flat, but play quite short passes. Whereas Dupree, I mean that Bayern McGregor one's a perfect example, but it does help us with our sort of expansive game. Um, so I, I I really liked I just really like his style of play. I think he will be really good for us. And genuinely, it's quite hard to find fault in his performance. I don't think he could have done a lot more. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but I I was pretty very impressed actually. I think uh, just before James James steps in, I just want to say really quick on Dupree. What I what I was most encouraged about was a the you know that beautiful floated pass out from McGuigan's try and. And his ability to play, like you said, Alex, a little bit more expansively compared to AJ, who's a lot more keen to hit the line and, and physically run the ball up uh, towards the defence. Um, but what I was very pleased about was the fact that Dupree kicked six, six of seven, I think, uh, in terms of penalties, and then seven, seven of eight. So, yeah, and, and then yeah, obviously he kicked his uh, kicked his penalty for a seven of eight overall. I believe he only missed his first kick of the game. Um, right towards the end, his last couple of minutes from uh, from very sort of far inside uh, inside sales zone half, and what I enjoyed about Dupree on on Saturday, Dupree, sorry, was that Sale seemed to trust him to kick the points, and it was pro- would probably be the same with AJ. And that's that's not a that's not a comparison between the two. But the fact is, Dupree came in. And effectively did his job. He, th- he threw the ball around, but most importantly, he made his kicks. And it shows that we have another solid option. I know McGinty and Dupree aren't going to be uh, eligible for selection at the same time, but it is really reassuring that we have another solid goal kicker in the team that we can depend on. Because as exciting as it is to see someone like Dupree join the team and play a much more creative game compared to McGinty, I think that's a fair, a fair comparison to make. The last thing Sale needed was someone who could toss the ball around but not kick his kicks. And the fact that not only did say not only did Dupree do it, but that he was so depended on and trusted on to do it at very key moments of the game, as Sale were looking to get back into the game and then eventually build a lead. It's something that's really encouraging to me. It shows a maturity 
in how Sale are making on-field decisions. And it shows that we've brought in someone who can, who's immediately been trusted and depended on by his teammates to make the tough kicks, make the kicks under pressure, and hopefully in the future grind out results. So I was really, really encouraged to see just a really metronomic kicking performance from, from Dupree. And I think that one kick that he did miss, I think it, it was fair to say it, it was always going to be a tough kick, even for someone who was uh, with a cannon for a boot like Elliot Daly. But James, what did you make of Dupree's uh, debut for set, uh, premiership debut for set? I thought he was absolutely excellent. I mean, I'm really very, very impressed. He um, He's a big guy. He puts in his tackles. Uh, he can stand deep. He put the ball up in the air, kicks all his goals. We knew that with McGinty injured, the thing we were going to miss most was the kicking at goal more than anything else. Um, he's also got a bit of a wider skill set. So with the team having played with Kieran Wilkinson a bit as well during the Premiership Cup, we're sort of adjusting maybe to a different type of style of play. So um, I think that'll get stronger. And I think we've just got ourselves a, a real good one here. Well, we've sort of analysed the game a little bit, but let's go on to my, my favourite part of the week, which is where Alex does a deep dive into the stats, because I think there's so much, especially in a game like this, that uh, a little bit of statistical analysis could really tell us about exactly why Sale uh, lost the game, and potentially why Sale nearly won the game as well, beyond the fact that they conceded 14 points whilst they were uh, whilst they were a man up. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's... Um... Very rare that I am properly surprised by a set of stats, um, but this one has surprised me quite a lot. Um, first thing to note, Jen, as we've sort of mentioned earlier, in terms of bench usage, ours was absolutely rubbish. We talk about type five, our type five run for 22 minutes in terms of uh, bench subs. Uh, Saracens run for 72 minutes as a total between the four replacements so that, you know they're just going to be much pressure at the end of the game and one of those was Joel Kapoku who came on and scored the winning try um, and it's no wonder he managed to dive over the line you know use a bit of strength because he only played 11 minutes in the game whereas our second row has played 80 and 70 minutes and our back row all played 80 minutes so that was the first thing that jumped out um, but we've kind of discussed that so don't want to focus on that too much some really positive stuff, actually. Um, we had, well, I say positive, we had 56% of territory and 55% of possession. So we pretty much dominated that area of the game. A really encouraging one, we only conceded six penalties to Saracens 11, um, which I think is pretty astounding for us. I've got to say, I've never seen that in my life before, that Sale have managed to concede less penalties than Saracens. So that's really encouraging. You know, we've we matched Saracens in a lot of areas. Um, carries, we made 134 to their 98. Beat them on that, made 362 metres to their 296. Um, so there's a lot of positives there. But then... Sorry, yeah, it's, I, I just want to make a point on the penalty count. I know I've gone on about it ad nauseum so far this week. But again, the fact that Saracens only conceded 11 penalties throughout the 80 minutes and Sale scored 18 points off the, off the back of them is again something that is really encouraging and what I hope is a sign that the way we manage the game especially from our on-field leadership team is maturing and adapting to a very difficult style of play in what is a, an incredibly competitive competition so that 18 points from 11 penalties won 
is something that is uh, is really encouraging for me anyway and definitely a bright spot to take out of Saturday's game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a good point that it's nice to win that many penalties and then be able to knock them over. And I think, uh, you know, there was a time when we wouldn't have... I'm going a bit off stats here, but I do think it's nice that Sale were able to, even when they went have many points down, they were able to just keep their heads. And, you know, it went in half-time, was it 21-13 down? Eight points. And you think there was a time when Sale, if they got a penalty, would have kicked to the corner and try and score a try to get back into it. And we just really steadily built up our score and built up our score and overtook them. So that was really encouraging. Um, slightly more negative defensively, um, which you probably expected. Um, we were 85% tackle success, which is okay. Um, but that's on a very low number of tackles. We made 111 and missed 19, um, which, you know, is a high old number when Saracens made 159 and missed 16. And I think that's just, to go into a bit deeper on that, usually our front row are dependable as anything. The starting front row missed uh, seven tackles between them. You have... John Ross missing three, Ben Curry missing two, and then the back sort of one each virtually. Um, you know, our second rows didn't miss a tackle, Josh Beaumont didn't miss a tackle, but I think it's pretty noticeable that I genuinely think that has to be a product of fatigue because when, when were we doing our defending? It was in that minute, that, that 10 minute Simbin spell when they scored two tries, and then at the end of the game when they were trying to score their tries. So, you know, it's not a great tackle success rate. It's a pretty poor defensive picture, actually. That said, we have had a lot worse, uh, much worse defensive performances over the last few seasons and even this season. So I don't think it's necessarily one to get massively hung up on away at Saracens. But I do think, you know, in terms of crucial sort of stats from the game, that has to be one. Uh, Carries-wise, some really impressive performances. Byron McGuigan made the most metres in the game, 76 um, overall, 13 carries, average of 5.8 metres a carry, which is really impressive. Um, Sam James made 49 metres off 12 carries. James O'Connor, 52 metres off 11 carries. That's a pretty good return from those three. And, you know, they're your big names that you want to come out and perform for you. Denny made 29 metres off 8 carries, so not, you know, setting the world alight, but still contributing metres. Uh, John Ross made 14 carries, as usual, absolutely working his arse off. Um, and then Curry and Beaumont made 24 metres and 28 metres, respectively, off 8 and 10 carries. So a really good performance there from us with the ball in hand. And I think that's sort of... The, the only issue with our attack is that we conceded 14 turnovers and six of those were from drop balls. And... That's probably another sort of area where we struggled in the game because Saracens only conceded eight turnovers. So you sort of flip that, all the advantage we've got off those penalties, you flip that over and you've got our turnover stats. And we're conceding, because, you know, penalties you concede points, but turnovers you concede momentum, don't you? And I think that's a real issue that, you know, six drop balls is a lot. And I think, you know, we do play a game where, we try and be expansive, but there were simple ones in there, I think. From from what I remember watching the game, um, and I haven't watched it back, but from what I remember watching the game, I remember thinking there was a few where you're going, you just got to catch those, you know. That is 
crucial to have that sort of level of you know ability to execute and it's part of that killer instinct thing that we talked about earlier um scrums wise 100 percent not a lot to say lineouts wise 100 percent uh rob weber um nine throws non-missed and sam james took one quick one so um yeah so that's you know I think there's a lot of positives in there. I think there's just a couple of key issues defensively and giving up turnovers. And, you know, it is nice to be looking at it and going, you know, two issues where giving up turnovers is an easy fix. Defensively, it's more difficult, but we were away at Saracens. So I think overall, a fairly. I've tried to keep it balanced, but I think it's fairly positive. James, anything you want to add to the start segment? Anything that really stood out for you? Um, well, I just think that the one-to-one title stats is something that's been there all year um, as well. So, you know, they just need to continue working and training and that. I don't know whether it's a system. I mean, I don't think it's a system. It's just people missing one, one-on-one tackles a lot of the time. And, um, what you know, what can Mike Forshaw do about that, really? Um, so, yeah, lots of positives in there. Lots of, lots of carries, lots of metres made. Not enough incision and, and taking advantage of that, but what we did was we, we put pressure on them, we took the points, and I, I think that probably was the right decision. Um, let's just move forward with a bit of positivity off the back of this game. As I said, if you take the Newcastle to, to now period, I think we are going to be yeah, we are going to be happy. So um, as long as we beat the Saints, um, then I think we'll see this as part of the shifting of momentum in our season. Well, you've mentioned the upcoming game against Northampton Saints, which will take place this coming Saturday at 1pm. And one player who might feature, before we go on to a full Northampton Saints preview, is Sale's latest signing. Now, we mentioned we mentioned this player last week as a result of the rumours that broke in South Africa. And unfortunately, James wasn't around to discuss it, and it is, it is something that we want to discuss with James and get his opinion on. But before we uh, talk about Sale's latest signing, Jean-Luc Dupria, who funnily enough has a brother at the club, Alex has something to say. Alex? I just want to say, when we discussed this last week, we talked about it as if we'd signed him, and then we sort of had to go at the end, oh yeah, but it might not happen. So it's a really good job we've signed him, because <laughs> we spent about 10 minutes going, yeah, well, when we get in... We might get him on a permanent deal. And then, um, yeah, so we might. Not only have we definitely got him, we might be getting his brother. Well, it's amazing that our, that our sources came through for us uh, once again, lest anyone forget that we are actually quite well connected and uh, have, a, have a keen eye on what's happening on uh, at sale. So keep an eye out for the third Dupree brother who might make an appearance at Carrington sooner rather than later. But James, as I said, we, we spoke about this at length last week, um, but we want to get your opinions on, on what has now become official news that sale of signed Jean-Luc Dupree uh, on a three-month loan deal, also from the South Sea Sharks in South Africa. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good signing. What he brings is is what we've struggled with a bit this year, which is aggression. He's massive. He's physical. He's a good carrier. He's going to be getting us over the game line. And we know that the clerk on the front foot fizzing out those passes, James O'Connor in the 13 channel, that's going to be very positive indeed. So I think he's more of a naturally a cover for Strauss um, and, and what he sort of brings in terms of that aggressiveness. He isn't a open side. He wears seven on his back in South Africa, but that's blind side. Um, so he's, he's more of a blind side flanker who can do a job open side if you're playing you know, on that sort of game 
or even at number eight, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at eight, despite Beaumont having a reasonable season in that position. Um, so I think it's a, it's a really, really good signing. Uh, I mean, his twin brother, I think he's going to have a feeling of a good signing. He, he is more of a kind of a, a number eight who also plays a bit in the second row. Um, so a different again a slightly different player but actually when you put all three brothers next to each other they're all about the same size I mean Robert's about the same about the same size as Jean-Luc um, so uh, we could be adding some big big lads so hypothetically if, if Jean-Luc debuts for, for sale on Saturday against Northampton how do you see him fitting into the back row do, do you anticipate John O'Ross Ben Curry and then Jean-Luc Dupree with Dupree at eight, or do you expect Dupree to come into the team at seven, uh, given that he was announced officially in sales press release as cover for t- for Tom Curry? What, how how do you how do you envision Jean Luc slotting into the team? I, I I just don't know. I mean, he might come off the bench, might he? Can cover all those positions. Uh, we aren't really using a back row so so far this season, so he might he might start just coming off the bench and having that impact after about fifty minutes. Uh, we know that you know Ben runs around like an absolute lunatic, so I'm surprised that the Currys are able to do 80-minute uh, uh, rugby, to be perfectly honest. And Beaumont, I think it depends on his effectiveness and what type of game it is, so he can come on A and do a job there. And, and Ross, well, he's going to play 80 minutes, but we also know that he can play at 6, 7 or 8. So in terms of the long run, I don't know. I just don't know. I think hopefully we can rotate a bit because people must be a bit knackered. I imagine we'll see him maybe more, slightly more at 8, um, or at six and Ross moving across to seven because um, Ross played a lot of seven for Stad and um, we haven't seen him much there apart from pre-season it's uh, a nice problem to have uh, yet another talented back row to, to add to the sales squad yeah absolutely I mean I'm just really really excited uh, about it and just how many brothers I mean we're basically going to have about you know sort of three families providing the majority of our match day squads at this rate I wonder if the, the, there must be someone somewhere will have documented it I wonder what the record for siblings in a game is uh, given that they will have in theory could have both James brothers or three Dupria brothers potentially uh, and uh, both Curry twins uh, in the team all at the same time some, sometime, in De- uh, sometime in December or January depending on when Tom's back but anyway we, we, we sort of mentioned that, that Jean-Luc Dupree might make his debut for sale on, on Saturday against Northampton so let's uh, let's actually look ahead properly to that game and uh, James I can say with all my heart that it is uh, a privilege to have you back on doing the previews for uh, sales next game because the level of detail and analysis and all these all these wonderful things you bring to the podcast have been sorely missed in your absence so please uh, tell our lovely listeners what we can potentially expect from Northampton on Saturday can I get all that in writing? no <laughs> um, get on with okay, it yeah Northampton Saints so Interestingly, new era at Northampton, uh, Chris Boyd's coach. It's taken just a little while to get going, but not as long as maybe as I thought it would. He's not been able to bring in all of his own players just yet, but I think he's building a blueprint for success, which is depending a little bit more on their academy than maybe previous coaches have. So he's just starting to hit some strides at Franklin's Gardens, starting this weekend with a absolute stonking victory against Wasps, 36-17. It was an absolute battering. Um, they've had other close games across the season, so they've been competitive and physical. 
But this, I think, is a real breakthrough moment, despite Wasps going on a bit of a bad run. And they are bringing this through this new generation, as I discussed. People like Alex Moon, who's a second row. Uh, he's about 20, 21. He's playing alongside David Ribbons, who is actually starting to impose his monster physique now. You know, he's a South African guy, but he's English qualified, and he's really starting to, to get going. With Lewis Ludlam at seven, who has long been spoken about um, in sort of you know sort of academy circles, but it's taken him a while. I think he's in his early twenties now to, to actually get first team rugby, and you know he's had space shown in him, and he's you know he's an he's an athlete, very much an athlete. And Tamana Harrison, um, you know, away from the spotlight, is actually I think you know really starting to get back towards England form. Um, they are without Dan Bigger. Um, but step forward, James Grayson, um, son of Paul, and very racist. Looks exactly like him. Um, plays exactly like him. He kicks everything. But he's actually a better ball player than Paul was, um, and he's a very talented guy. He was the England in the twenties uh, fly half last year, and he's now really starting to grow into his role. Um, also in the centre, I feel like I have to mention this guy because I, I really, really rate him. Fraser Dimwall. Um, he is a stalwart in England in the twenties, and he's actually been getting picked ahead of Luther Burrell um, at thirteen. And I think they're going to build their team around him in the backs for a very, very long time. Uh, very good player, organises the defence, and I think they're going to build the team around him. And then two other names that you'll probably recognise definitely, uh, definitely one surname, um, and then the other one with both names. That one is Alex Mitchell. Salem Academy boy, who's now the second choice Saints scrum half and uh, younger brother of James Mitchell, who is now at Connacht. Alex, I think, is he's a talented lad. He's really started to push on Saints. Again, England in the 20s. Um, he's got a larger frame than, than, than James, a bit taller, and, and, his, and his pass off both hands is pretty good. And then off the bench last weekend was Ollie Slighthome, uh, which you'll recognise that surname from, uh, from, from old. And he's very young. I think he's only 17, 18. He's incredibly young. But again, he look, he's going to fill out. He's going to be strong, just like his dad was. And he's absolutely rapid. So they've got some experienced players playing around them with Ben Franks, Tom Wood, Kovis Ryanback's having a good season. Yes, Francis has been having a good season, but it's now back with England. So going to be unavailable. So that means they're going to have to change the way they play, I think, in the centre. I think Burrell will come in at 12 and run some hard lines. Um, I think all suitors, actually a little bit um, so that's good and they made some fantastic signings um, I'll leave you guys to maybe talk about them a little bit and um, they're both their wingers um, and hopefully bigger stays with Wales um, but you know let's, but let's have a look at the bigger picture here the bigger picture is it's a must win game for sale um, if we lose this then look Bristol will fancy themselves even at outsourced uh, outsourced wasps um, Worcester are at home to Quinns and Falcons are at home to Bath so it's, it's, Falcons played before us as well. So we could well be going into this game already bottom of the league and potentially become a bit t- attached if, if other games go against us. So it's really, really big and we've got to really turn up. If we win this, I think we can go on to have, still have a good season. If we lose, I'm not looking forward to the podcast next week. <laughs> well, Alex, James has obviously gone through and objectively dissected the... Northampton Saints team but for you who is who is the key player for Saints who is the one that makes it all tick and who's the danger man that you have to keep an eye on if Sale are going to be able to pull out uh, what is now a very important victory uh, on Saturday 
this isn't necessarily their best player, but I think a player who's given us nightmares in the past is Kobus Reiner, partly because of his pace, but whenever he seems to play, he seems to really struggle against Saints. I remember him coming to AJ Bell, I think it was last year, and just making us look like fools. Um, so I, I think he he's, we struggle when we play teams with really good scrum halves. I think I, I find, you know, when Hugh Hart plays for Worcester, we struggle against them. And I think Ryan acts very similar. Just the pace that he plays the game at and his actual pace really sort of are something we struggle to deal with. Um, so if I had to pick out one player, it'd be him. I think, you know, Northampton, they have got some brilliant players. Um, the That winger um, who I saw a highlights reel of from the Northampton game, is it Nyavoro? Nyavoro. Ridiculous. Um, Naya Ravoro. He's not lining up against Denny, that's all I'll say. Well, he is. Oh, <laughs> well, he does like a bit of contact, which might suit Denny. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, Denny's, you know, maybe, may, yeah, Denny, Denny's defensive um, frailties are more positional yeah. than, uh, than anything, aren't they? So, yeah, let's let's see. But, yeah, I think I think Reinach is the one that will sort of make it tick for them. Um I hope that, yeah, if Bigger's not back and, you know, they're sort of not really, and Francis is with England and they've not really got a first-choice 10, then it'll be a similar story to the Saracens team where they're missing Farrell and Zarsky. So, yeah, I, I, I think they are to be respected, but not necessarily to be feared, Northampton. That would be my sort of thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at how both teams have started the season... The fact that Northampton picked up such an emphatic win over Wasps has skewed things a little bit because Northampton sit eighth in the table. They're on 15 points. Obviously, Sale, as we mentioned earlier, are 11th uh, with 10 points from the first seven games. And, and a good win, as we've sort of suggested before, would really push Sale right back into the mix, depending on how results go, uh, especially if Sale could pick up a, a huge win uh, over Northampton. They could potentially go as high as eighth and overtake Northampton. It would require a very very significant um, uh, win uh, given the points difference between the two teams but even even if results don't go Sale's way you feel like a win is an absolute necessity just to keep pace because if Sale win with four points they will only go up to ninth if Worcester and Bristol lose and if Worcester and Bristol pick up anything at the weekend which is obviously a possibility given how competitive the Premiership has been this season Sale could easily win <laughs> so could easily beat Northampton comfortably at the weekend and still be 11th they're, they're, it is so ridiculously close that it is very hard to see this game as anything but a must win and to be honest this this should be a game that Sale win at home against a team who are of on paper probably slightly weaker than what Sale can, can roll out into especially along the along the back line and key decision makers in the, in the 10 and 12 channels but you do fear that given that win Northampton had over Wasp for the weekend and the fact that Sale are still kind of finding their feet with all these very talented pieces and, and working out how they all fit together, you get the sense that this is going to this is going to be yet another example of how ridiculously competitive the Premiership is and, and ultimately an incredibly close game. James, we've talked a little bit about Northampton and who the danger men are and, and, and what we can expect. And for what it's worth, Naya, Naya Ravoro is definitely the danger man for me to keep an eye on. Uh, given how freakishly uh, physical uh, and talented he is, especially as a winger. What changes would you make, if any, to the sale team that lost 
on Saturday to, to Saracens, knowing what we know about the Northampton team, that it will likely be coming up to the AJ Bell uh, to face the Sharks? Uh, I'd keep it pretty much the same. I, I'm still tempted to start with Ostrakov over Phillips. Um, I don't want to sound like I've got, you know, I, I had something against James Phillips, but I just think there's something about if you're an aspirational top six side and James Phillips being a first choice second row that just done what doesn't quite fit. Well, Phillips um, as I well. Mean, oh, sorry to interject, but, but on that point, I agree completely because Phillips is actually a very good impact sub. In the, in the brief appearances he's made as a substitute this season he's actually given Sale a lot of go forward as a ball carrier that we've otherwise lacked after the 60 minute mark yeah absolutely you I mean if you brought him and, and Dupreer on uh, with 30 minutes to go um, that is going to make a big big impact and I just think Andre gets better the more he plays and let's just let's just go let's just stick him in and just keep going with him basically the other change that I would make is I'd bring Luke James in for uh, John Riotta. Um, I think that uh, Luke James, he, he's a cog in, in that back line. Um, he's, he's been playing a lot. Of, I think he's been training a lot of 13 as well, um, which may be why we didn't throw him straight back in at 12. But I just wonder with Johnny, he's had very, very serious injuries. He's nearly 35, whether it's just one step too far. I understand why we've gone back to him, because we're thinking we're in the shit, we need experience. We've got a new um, a new fly off, but I think that Robert Dupree proved at the weekend that he is just cool, cool as bloody you know as it comes, and he's going to be absolutely fine. So I put Luke Luke James uh, back in there. We know that Van Brentsburg's out for three or four more weeks, um, so um, he's not available. And Jennings, we've heard absolutely nothing of, but we assume he's injured. Are the only changes that I would make um, bringing in. Um, uh, Ostrakov for Phillips and Luke James for Leota. I'd bring uh, Dupuyer onto the bench and I'd have him and Phillips as impact subs. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to sort of argue against that. I was very surprised by the selection of Leota at 12. But like you said, James, I understand why Leota was selected, especially with a lot of unfamiliarity in the back line. But you do wonder, given Leota's age and given the time he's had to spend on the treatment table, whether or not he is an effective player at that position at Premiership level and not just at Premiership level if we are serious about pushing on uh, and being a top six team even with the injuries to Van Rensburg and, and Luke James how big of a role can we expect him to play in, in a genuine top six push and I think that has to be a question asked and, and unfortunately it, it came at the expense of Luke James who's, actually, who's, who's performed very very well in the opportunities he's been given in the Premiership over the last six to nine months um, but in terms of other changes that I would make, it is hard to see Sarah rolling out any anything other than than, than what we've just suggested and, and what what the team was that played on Saturday. There is potential, depending on uh, how the backline ultimately shakes out, that maybe Sam James gets moved away from 15. That is a potential area that could be looked into. But given the personnel that Sale currently have available to them, it might be a case. It is most likely to be the case that Sam James will remain at 15. That is an area that I think in a full-strength team we, we perhaps wouldn't have. But given the circumstances, it's understandable to see why Sal might play there. And then everywhere else, the team, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, does, does sort of pick itself with, with Ostrakov for Phillips being the, that one main change that I'd uh, like to see. And, uh, and given the uh, bench stats from last week, I think it's imperative that Jean-Luc Dupria gets a game. 
He's had a week to train, a bit like how uh, Rob Dupree, when he first joined a couple of weeks ago, he sat out the first game, uh, which was at the Saracens home in the Premiership Rugby Cup, and then came into the team the week after. I think the same thing will happen with Jean-Luc Dupree, Dupree, and I think having him coming off the bench as the back row cover is going to make a real impact in the sort of 55, 60 minute, and I really hope to see him get the opportunity, which Cameron Neald, for whatever reason, didn't get last week. Alex, are there any other changes that you would make to the team? Uh, no, I 100% agree with the Luke Jones there as a swap. I think Luke Jones on form has to be picked because he's just, you know, he looks really effective when he comes on. We always say that you forget how young he is, but he really do when he plays because he just looks solid. And I think you've got enough creativity with Dupria and O'Connor around him that you allow for that Luke James sort of, he's solid, he'll run a line if you need him to, but he'll make his tackles and sort of definitely have him in. Um, obviously assuming that Frank Mansberg and Jennings aren't fit um, and yeah on the Ostracob Phillips thing I, I think you know fair play to James Phillips he did 70 minutes last week and you didn't notice that you know he was I mean early in the season yeah, after 50 minutes he looked like he was blowing a bit but last uh, on Saturday sorry you couldn't tell I, well I couldn't tell that at all um, so you know, I don't think he's necessarily lost his place. Um, I would almost see Phillips as... I agree completely on Ostrakov being a better player when he starts, which is, you know, a reason to start Ostrakov. But I do think it's harsh on Phillips, who had a good game, to get dropped because the other guy is a better starter, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I do accept that. And I also accept he's got getting himself fitter. Um, and I've got a lot of respect for him. I, I, th- I think... Um, you know he's uh, you know he's a big big lad, but he's got himself fit. He's, he's first choice at Sale, and it's definitely the peak of his career now. I think, and uh, he deserves he deserves it. He's obviously worked really really hard. Uh, I'm just trying to find. You've got to find the best team to play 80 minutes. That's yeah. for me the thing. He he is having a good season. He's got himself fit, and Ostrakov hasn't done enough necessarily to force his way in. But I'm just thinking. It's not just about who's got the shirt, it's about what is the best sale 23 to win eight, an 80-minute game of rugby against an opposition. And I look at the um, the second rows for Saints and I see the depth that they have in that position and I say it's better than ours. I just think we have to take that into account. Yeah, absolutely. I think what what Phillips brings is rolling more sort of... Nows. Nows, yeah. And... It's how we're going to play the game, but yeah, I I, I fully agree. I, I love Andre Ashkov. I think he was brilliant last year. So I think if he can re- recreate that form, there's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't start. But I'm not going to be gutted if Phillips doesn't start. Whereas I think we really need Luke Jones to start um, over Johnny Leota would be my my thought. Um, but other than that, yeah, I probably wouldn't make any changes. The only the only possible one is. Um, bringing Kieran Wilkinson onto the bench as opposed to because um, it was James and Reid last week in the back yeah, wasn't it? yeah we didn't play with a 10 back up 10 I should say back up 10 so, so I, would, I would I don't think Kieran Wilkinson has done anything to lose his place because I thought he was really really good in that sort of uh, Challenge Cup Premiership Rugby Cup so I would consider bringing him on and then maybe having the other as the, the, the sub because you know that's not a, at all a slight on Aaron Reid. It's just a positional thing as opposed to a, a player thing. 
Um, but that's a very minor one. I just I I have a much more conservative attitude to players getting injured than Steve Diamond does. Um, I would always have a backup plan, whereas Diamond sort of just goes without one. Cause I suppose O'Connor can play tens, and James can play ten, can he? So, you know, we are fairly well stocked. But um, yeah, the two big ones for me would be James um, into the starting lineup and probably yeah, Ostrakov into the second row. Oh, that's nice. We all agree. I was going to say, well, now that we're all in agreement as to what changes we will make to the team, uh, shall we completely undo all the goodwill we built up and make some predictions? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm confident this week. Okay, well, you can start us off then. I'm going to say 32 14. I'm actually really confident. What to Northampton? No, Sale, you fool. <laughs> so Alex says 32-14. Uh, I think on paper, Sale should have enough to win, especially at home, uh, and especially given some of the key players that Northampton are likely to be without. So with that all in mind, I'm going to say Sale 21, Northampton 17. Uh, similar to mine, I've got Sale 22, Saints 20. Ooh. So we're all, we're all going for a win. We all yeah. agree that this is a game that Sale, in theory, should win. In theory, yeah, yeah, we, we've got to get, we've got to be positive, we've got to get behind the boys. We've been playing well, but I tell you what, you know, Northampton—they've just smashed Wasps thirty-six seventeen. Thanks, thanks for putting out some bodies, Wasps. Good, tra- good training to go up to uh, up to Sale. Are we playing them on a Saturday? It's, it's Saturday afternoon, one o'clock, because it's before the England Australia game. Okay, well, fingers crossed. Well, fingers crossed, all fans, well, all English fans, will be able to enjoy a a double of uh, excellent rugby results on Saturday afternoon. And be sure to tune in to the Shark Time Podcast next week where we all either revel in our prescience and being able to predict a big sale win or it all gets very, very gloomy very, very quickly. Um, just before we say goodbye, uh, I want to say a big thank you to everyone, as always, uh, for tuning in to listen to the pod. We appreciate everyone who tweets us, everyone who sends us injury updates, because somebody has to. We appreciate everyone who gets involved with three-word reviews and sends in predictions uh, when we get round to actually tweeting them out. Uh, and I want to say, if you haven't listened uh, to last week's podcast, you can disregard the bits uh, about the Rugby Cup and uh, the forthcoming game against Saracens because that's all old news now but if you haven't listened to it yet do listen to the Obscure Internationals quiz that Alex put together because I think it might be one of my favourite things we've ever done on the podcast Alex did a really good job with it we had a lot of fun with it and we've had a, quite a few people tweeting us uh, that the answer to that final question and uh, I, I've been amazed uh, with how many people managed to get it right obviously there's no way to verify that someone hasn't just done a sneaky uh, Wikipedia lookup. but we want to say a big thank you uh, to, to Alex and a big thank you to everyone who's been getting involved with that we do appreciate that as well so Alex and James that's enough from me for this week is there anything else that you two would like to say before we say goodbye to everybody just cheers to Opta as always uh, the stats I love them uh, thanks everyone for listening and lovely to all be back together it's been it's been lovely <laughs> been delightful let's hope we bloody win otherwise next week will be around this <laughs> 